The team behind this podcast would like to begin the show by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which they record, edit and produce the podcast, the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. They pay their respects to elders past, present and emerging. is really special, but 300 with your best mate. Mr. Nixon's just approaching me now. Is Mitch Duncan's short little legs put a bit of pressure on my lower back? Mr. Nixon, calm down. For the last uh, eight or so years, under the former Federal Liberal National Government, Victoria was constantly dudded. No, stand back, stand back. Seb, I'm concerned for your safety. This is not a vanity project, Mr. Albanese. It was a pretty substantial wave when it came. They want more coal and gas. Well, I think the Minister is right to be using the word terrified. You can use this this question and the provisions as the basis for further consultation. It's all about the politics. This is the podcast. For those newbies. With Dr. Dan and Lou from the radio. You really struck gold. How good are you? It is episode number eight of the podcast. Dr. Dan, hello. Hello, Louie. Welcome along for another show. It's been so great. Eight episodes feels... Did you think we'd last this long? No. Honestly, honestly, no. <laughs> I thought I'd really honestly get bored by it, but I've been so happy with everything and how it's come out. Now, amazing guests, and we've got so many more amazing guests to come in and interview. It's evolved a lot. Yep, I've it's gotten transformed, and we've all gotten better. We're all we're all new people. We're all new people. It's a new <laughs> podcast, and. Um, Big thanks to Leo for joining us last week it was on great to the have show. On. Young Leo, if you haven't um, listened to that one, jump back in the feed. Mm. It'll be there. Uh, big show on the way for you. We'll be ch- checking in with the, the the referendum. The first referendum in two decades is coming our way soon. Um, question time has been transformed, transformed by a new government, so we'll check in with some of that. Also, we will be seeing who the winner of the Political Lions competition is for this week, plus find out our next Political Lions up against each other. If you've missed any of that, if you don't know what's going on, jump in the show notes, jump on our Twitter, the whole story's there, and make sure you listen to the previous episodes to get up to date. But right now, we're going to find out... The news of the week, and I, I really think that this doof doof gets us in the vibe. Yeah, the ABC remix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit it up. Love it. Um, news this week, of course, the Commonwealth Games. Now, um, you probably you're probably not aware of all of the restrictions that are on media. Yeah, you were telling me about it before. It's, it's quite a lot. Quite crazy. So, Channel Seven is uh, Australia's visual broadcaster visual. of um, of the games. If any media are entitled to playback audio from Channel Seven. But we're restricted heavily on we can only do 10 audio bits per day. Mm. That can only be limited to something that's happened in the previous 24 hours. It can't include um, any of our own commentary. Like, we can't do play-by-play commentary. Okay. Um, there's all this crazy stuff. That's why when you jump on, like, the Herald Sun... Was it, like, a limit of time there? 15 seconds, Because if not, you could, like, get away with it and say, I'm just doing one bit <laughs> one and, like, one. stream the whole hour. <laughs> For news purposes, though, yeah. we need And it. then put it on, like, a half a second delay and then provide commentary. <laughs> Always trying to do the wrong thing. No, I'm just trying to work within the confounds um, of the rule. Great news, though, for Australia. Our mm. first gold medal coming from... A Geelong girl, Ooh, yeah. Jess Gallagher, who grew up here and has uh, is legally blind, won the cycling duo event where she has a person behind her who's like directing her, telling isn't, her where to isn't, go. Uh, isn't the one at the? F- oh, but no, she would be behind if she's legally blind. Yes, she would be the motor. Yeah, it's and the then tandem. Someone yeah. that's driving in front or directing. Does she direct? Is she on? Is it a double bike? It's a double bike. It's a double bike. So yeah. you'd put the blind person. Behind. Well, does she steer though? Like she might know, have to tell her. Anyway, she was. She there. She is on ABC News now. I think that I think the person at the back is the one that can see, and she's instructing. Let us know on Twitter. Yeah, so, uh, absolve my <laughs> ignorance uh, because I don't know. I always assumed 
And that huge mm. word, hate the word assume. But uh, Geelong Girl winning gold Ooh. for us, uh, a gold, what, what did I say, gold rush in the news? I love all my cliches. Yeah. But um, you know what? Like Geelong Gold, it's GG, and now we're going to have Geelong's, Geelong's golden gonna girl be, you know, was the headline on the article I did online as well. Mm. And Geelong's going to be, you know, one of the biggest places in the Commonwealth Games in now four years. That's so right. Maybe she can do go back to back. Yeah. Imagine if we had the cycling here. I'd actually go watch that. She know? was the first person to ever win a medal at both Winter and Summer Olympics. Tell me her winter sport. She did slalom. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the 2020 Vancouver Games. Uh, sorry, 2010 Vancouver. I was about to say, that was a <laughs> um, Yeah, so she got into yeah Winter Games and then decided she wanted to take up cycling. And she also became the first Australian to win... Um, a winter Paralympics medal. Wow! So absolutely Record phenomenal stuff. Breaking. Jess Gallagher, uh, well done to you. Also making you should have her on when she I gets ho- back. I hope so. I hope we can. Oh, that's the other thing. You you can't interview someone at the athletes' village wow. unless you're part of the the crew. crew. Yeah, Doodle, it's, it's weird. It's weird. We're not going to. Well, we won't be part of that. We won't be going to any athletes' village. We're not even going <laughs> to anywhere close out of Geelong. We didn't get invited. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, going to be huge uh, for twenty twenty six. Uh, also making news this week, and we will touch on this shortly, the referendum draft words have been revealed. Anthony Albanese mm. in Arnhem Land has uh, revealed the words that he would like to have on a referendum as part of his very first quote that he said in his victory speech. So that is uh, is huge news for our Indigenous people, for Australia as a whole. Going to be massive. Um, we will get, we'll touch on that shortly. Inflation. Another big jump in inflation mm-hmm. at 6.1%, with some saying it could reach 8 by the end of the year. Mm. What is inflation? Basically, if you could buy $100 worth of something, $100 worth of tomatoes today. Yeah. Next quarter. You're making so, a big tomato stew. Yeah. Next quarter, to get the same number of tomatoes, you will need $108. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, that's probably, inflation. It's a in, change of monetary value of a certain goods between two periods of time. Correct. It's only the change. Because mm. if the following quarter, those tomatoes still cost $108, they still cost $8 more. Yep. So but the inflation's technically zero, zero between there. Correct. Net. So not only are we combining cost of living pressures, we're, com- we're adding to the mix inflation. Mm. So not only are things really expensive... They're getting more expensive. Yeah, we'll move on to something that I'm sure everyone's already bored of, but unfortunately is still around us, and that's COVID. It's COVID. 100,000 COVID cases in Geelong over the weekend. It, not 100,000 over the weekend. Uh, we ticked over to 100,000 From the case. beginning of the pandemic. I wonder who the 100,000th person was. I don't think they'll really care. Do they get a golden it's probably rat? Honestly, Louis, it was probably done about six months ago, the, un- the true 100,000th case. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the the hundred thousandth recorded case. Yeah, I I reckon we should find him and give him a golden rat. Ah, yes. Okay, (laughs) Um, that would be more expensive than the initial rats that came, and they were like thirty bucks. Um, Hospital cases in Victoria. uh, The chief health officer, Professor Brett Sutton, reckons it's going to plateau. Mm. About now, which is around eight hundred Victorians in hospital at the moment. That when I kind of thought, oh shit, we're at eight hundred. Yeah. There's only there's not many in ICU. Four percent, yeah, four mm. percent of those eight hundred are in ICU. We were about a quarter, a quarter of all cases were in ICU. Mm. I think during the first wave, the vaccine's working. The vaccine, it's 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 two things. It's the uh, it's the vaccine that's definitely reduced the severity of the disease, along with the individuals that are actually getting more unwell now and are more, are more vulnerable individuals who yep. are either A, can't be vaccinated for whatever medical reason, mm. B, have chosen not to get vaccinated and they have multiple medical conditions or are just quite old and frail individuals. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there are some kids that end up in ICU because of these issues. Very rare, but uh, it can occur. Those are the vulnerable populations that you, you see in the ICU at the moment that are suffering from severe I'm, COVID. I'm going to speak for your department which is health. Oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. With 800 in hospital, only 4% in ICU, mm. 
that's freeing up ICU beds for other... The ICU beds are going to be permanently full in Victoria. They're pretty okay. much... They, before the pandemic, they ran at around a 95% okay. load. Okay. Yep. Um, that's how our health system was structured, and that's sure. how a lot of health systems were structured. Um, the added bone... The added stress of COVID required us to sometimes in in objective planning going forward and projections this mm. is why you do modelling <laughs> um, you need to know how many people are we going to project to potentially require ICU level care sure. so usually that's sure. ventilated care uh, but then the problem is, is that if they're not in ICU they're elsewhere in the hospital Okay, and so there are wards now that have had to take on 800 individuals who require ward support level right. of care yep whether that's um, not ventilated care, but they might need to be on a, a face mask or no, nasal prongs and require uh, a nursing care for their medications or their other medical conditions or uh, respiratory support. So those those are really big stresses that are placed on the system and not to mention they're potentially still quite infectious and so they can pass it to other individuals and other nursing and health professionals as they see them. So it is a big load that the health system has had to take on in um, in extra to sorry in addition to just their normal functions. Sure. Is is it true laying on your back like you normally would in a hospital bed's not good for covid? So we know that um, you can prone an individual. This is for usually for severe COVID. Right. You yep. can lie someone on their stomach and it allows the recruitment or the use of their back muscles to breathe more deeply. Wow. So really with COVID, when it's, you know, COVID that you or I may get at home, your position really doesn't matter. But if you're in a life-threatening situation and you're in severe COVID and you're requiring for deep ventilation or ventilation on a ventilator, so breathing assistance on a ventilator, one of the last resorts is to prone an individual, which is where you lie them on their stomach, and you, um, and which allows the back muscles to help expand and contract the lungs and allows recruitment of more lung wow. tissue in order to transfuse oxygen into the bloodstream because that's the whole idea of ventilating someone is to get enough oxygen into their bloodstream so they can maintain cardiac and brain function and basic organ function. It's why we breathe. It is why we breathe, and it's what COVID does. <laughs> Does to your lower respiratory tract, that's your lungs, that really force, that basically causes people to have heart attacks and pass away. Also making the news a, a controversial topic for many, the Geelong Port supposed backflip. Now this is uh, the, the Viva Energy has come out and said they've got a deal with Geelong Port for the proposed uh, offshore refinery port. So this is getting gas into the country oh, yeah. and then having like an offshore yeah. still connected by pipe. Mm. Um, basically, uh, Geelong Port f- allegedly said this is not good for the community. They've now signed an agreement with Fever Energy. Yeah. So the local community activist group uh, Geelong Renewables Not Gas are saying that yeah this is this is a backflip this is terrible they had a protest as yeah. quite a few turned out for this as well um, saying that uh, basically they say one thing and they do another when it comes mm-hmm. to commercial agreements so I think yeah I think the initial the initial line was that they were going to import this gas into the Viva energy plant mm-hmm. and a lot of the the uh, activist groups that were against this was like this is quite dangerous we're introducing a new fuel mm. to this area and we we don't think it's appropriate for to be there um and like the Viva's position was, well, we deal with lots of different kinds of really dangerous gases. Adding an extra one to it won't increase the risk overall. And we've, we take gases in and distribute oil and diesel oil and refine that all the time. So the environmental risk isn't much more. And so I think initially Port said no, um, but I think they've found a compromise where if they transfer this gas quite far away from the port, mm. then it alleviates most of the concerns of both parties and it allows the transmission of the gas to be done. So I'm not sure exactly where it's going to land. It might be an election issue um, going up because there, this this uh, this advocacy group has found to be quite effective in mm. their... Well, at least have changed the position of Ports and Viva, uh, but uh, they've found a way to get around the explicit initial arguments by the Geelong Renewables 
and it'll be interesting to see where this goes forward onwards. I would presume that it looks like if Geelong Ports have allegedly signed this, that it will probably go forward. The, the deal, the commercial agreement to extend Refinery Pier is the first step that Viva needs before they can then proceed with the... Yeah. It's still a proposed uh, terminal. Mm. The gas would then go into Geelong's mains supply, yeah. which is what the, the a lot of people are, uh, that are not part of the Geelong Renewables Not Gas group are saying, well, hang on, Gas surely is a step away from fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, gas still technically is a fossil fuel. It's a it is a cleaner yeah, fuel than cleaner. than coal. Yeah, uh, and it could be a stepping stone for our energy needs in terms of heating our home and cooking with gas rather than electricity, which is powered by coal. Um, Geelong Renewables, not gas, basically just want to, to shift to renewables, renewables. And, and there's a big, big discussion around that. It'll and be interesting to see where this goes. It'll yep. be interesting to see how the business case goes for this forward and it will be also interesting to see how this interacts with the potential 43% Legislation, mm. uh, carbon reduction scheme, bloody bloody thing. The uh, Albanese Labor government are, cu- are currently negotiating with the Greens. Yes, and that's that's likely not to par- not to head to the Senate for discussion until September. Mm. I, I They're going to pass so. it in this cycle. So next week when they go back to Parliament, yes. I think they'll be, they'll be passing that. Yep, which uh, it'll flow through the House of Reps easy. They've got yep, the numbers. They've got the numbers. Not only that they have that, that they'll probably have quite a lot of support from the crossbench. It'll be interesting to see what the Greens do in the lower house. Mm. Uh, because that will signal their behaviour in the upper house. With that, then there could be amendments made, which will then have to go back to the House. Mm. Um, a lot of these things, though, are promises made by the governments in their first term. So a lot of these, like the um, Uluru Statement and uh, committing to the, the 43% or whatever it may be, uh, they're... Election promises. <laughs> they're getting they're, on the ground running to make sure that they... Them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. We can see what happens. You change the government, change the nation. Yeah. Still on uh, environment, this is something that uh, you've brought up. There's been an environment report handed down as specifically talking about the previous governments and how they have... Uh, well, looking back into what the previous government has done or not done in some instances. There was an, uh, uh, an environment report that was released every five years is uh, this was initially uh, which reports on the state of the Australian environment and basically it says that of the eight different kinds of environments that uh, Australia has urban, coastal, mountainous etc etc the majority of them, seven out of them were deteriorating and were um, of deteriorating quality and of lower quality. The only one that either stayed neutral and that was of okay quality was of urban inner area, and which is not surprising considering that's probably where the majority of Australians live and where a lot of money and investment's gone into maintaining that environment. And a lot of people in a small area, so there's not... It's... It's a smaller area to yeah. take care of. Yeah, you, you look at anything like when it comes to transport mm. or parks. Um, education, parks, everything is a lot, quote-unquote, oh, yeah, not even quote-unquote, but it's a lot easier to do because the the amount of people in that area is, is smaller, so you can get better bang for your buck, I mm. suppose. And, the, and there's the distance, and if it's urban, you've got more resources there, more companies that are able to look after things, more people power to be able to care for the land. So it's not surprising that this is the only one that's you know of neutral benefit. But I'm really shocked at um, some of the commentary around it and the, uh, I would guess, say the uh, running interference and excusing of the former environment minister, now um, deputy leader of the opposition, Susan mm. Lee, by really prominent journalist uh, and ABC uh, edit, political editor Andrew Proben on the podcast Insiders podcast back to you two weeks ago, where he's basically, I really think he's excused and undermined his journalistic qualities when it comes to his analysis of Susan Lee, where he deems her as a competent environment minister. Susan Lee. I think was a was still a competent minister and she was perhaps working in a hostile political environment some of the things that she did was was bringing on the review of the EPBC act uh, that Graham Samuel ended up chairing she uh, she was tackling 
plastics and the like and then trying to deal with that awful problem that is them finding water for the Murray-Darling Basin. All of these problems are now Tanya Plibersex. So really, when Andrew Probin, very intelligent man and a, a political reporter who I respect and usually their analysis is spot on, hmm. uh, has really, I think, missed the boat here. He's made three statements there really in support of the assessment of the competency of the former environment minister, Susan Lee. And um, one of them is that she made a, a review into the EPBC Act, which stands for the Environment Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act. And if you actually look at what, you know, the report's been done and the report's great and says a lot of different things about it. Now, this report was initially published in October of 2020, and yes, the world was being turned upside down at that stage. But since then, there's been absolutely zero action from a you know former Scott Morrison government done in regards to this act. So in order to say that it's competent to just get a re- someone else to do a review on an act, which is really important to fix, and there's been good... Um, legislative amendments thought up and brought up around those that act is is quite you know it's irresponsible it's just like if I ask someone else to do some work for me and I've just left it sitting on my desk and haven't done anything about it but I take responsibility for the actions that were done that there's been no legislation or acts that as environment minister Susan Lee did in order to uh, change that legislation Secondly, he states she was tackling plastics and the like. Really, <laughs> that was that was a bit that stood out to me. It's it's a bit like, oh, come on, mate. Like, there's there's no objective. Like, what did what did Susan actually do to tackle plastics and the like? So I've done a little bit of personal googling because I'm really passionate about the environment and holding journalists to account when they make you know random statements like this. And it looks like that at some stage, this is you know all alleged, but. It looks looks like at some stage the Scott Morrison government in the 24th of March in 2020 so just pre-election they invested in infinite plastic recycling technology so Susan Lee Angus Taylor and Tim Wilson at the time got up and they invested 1.1 million dollars into a company who they make sure they say is Australian company multiple times throughout the press release there and they say we've done this because this company is going to now Design a bacterium, a bacteria genetically identi- um, genetically modified that can break down soft plastics. Now, if you actually have a look at the company, it's actually a US-based company with an Australian subsidiary. <laughs> and um, if, I didn't want to go any looking any further, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if it had some links to some certain parties. But we'll go from there. So this is another thing that this Susan Lee did. She found $1.1 million, which is in the context of a budget of the GDP of Australia, is absolutely nothing. And then he finally describes as a final point... Finding water for the Murray-Darling Basin. I don't know where she's going to look for this water, Louis. Is it going to be under the couch? <laughs> is it is it drop, like, you know, looking for $2 behind the couch to get, you know, a Macca's meal or uh, a KFC, you know, slurry or whatever? When, 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 <laughs> when literally the description of the of the evidence that he's using to describe Susan Lee as a competent minister is a job description. Mm. I think we're losing objectivity. Now, I can understand why Andrew Probin has decided to absolve Susan Lee of the actions that she did when she was environment minister. This damning report from the beginning to end is an indictment of not only Susan Lee's actions as Environment Minister but the entire coalition nine years governments, Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison and their active basically degradation of the Australian environment. So in conclusion, I understand the political need to absolve the now deputy leader of the Liberal Party and former, you know, and could be Prime Minister one day or could be at least Deputy Prime Minister today because you need to get kickbacks or you need to get drops or you need to maintain a positive relationship with her in order to have her come on your programs. But that does not dissolve your responsibility as an objective non-partisan political editor of the national broadcaster to accurately describe her reign and her management of the environment as the environment minister as shamefully inadequate and unprofessional, not unprofessional, but just quite bad. Competence is nowhere 
determined and deemed as a description of this. And I really ask for Andrew Probin to withdraw that statement and that analysis of her work. And now, Louis, I will get off my soapbox. It's interesting you bring up Susan Lee. She's a member for Farrah, which is my hometown. I grew up in Albury and Susan Lee represented me. Um, Susan Lee was Minister for Health and Minister for Sport. Mm. Until 2017. Yeah. Uh, There was also a few other ministerial positions that were taken off her. Yeah. Because she was found to have been... uh, Misusing government funds is the word that we use. Well, it was never proven, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to allege anything. However, she was on the Gold Coast for a political trip. Yeah. She also took some time off to go to a real estate agent to check out... uh, an apartment that yep. she wanted to buy personally. So there's that. Um, did you know, this is this is one of my favourite little did you know, that... And we're uh, going to talk about the double S's, aren't we? Yes, yeah, I knew yes. This is my favourite little fact. <clears throat> she was born with one S. Yep. Well, two, S-U-S-A-N. And now she's found a third S. Yeah, S-U-S-S-A-N. And uh, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, so I'll let, no, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. I'll just hype you up whilst we talk about it. <laughs> because of the numbers that the letters correspond to and add up to mm. is why she wanted to add another letter mm. to her name. Yeah. What? <laughs> Look, they there are crystal mummies. There are people who really put a lot of effort into numerology or astrology. <laughs> I'm not one of them. I like to use – I'm a science man. I'm a man of science. I like to look at things and measure and feel and touch. Mm. Some people prefer the astrophysics or the non-physical parts of their lives, and that's great. But a name change in order to – Add an extra S for whatever reason. I I heard that the reason was because she just wanted to be unique and not just Susan. She wanted to be Susan. No, it's because she follows numerology. Mm. She has master's degrees in finance, two master's degrees. Mm. She's a pilot. She's a smart lady. Mm. And she also changed her name because of numerology. Look, (laughs) what? You can. That's. Uh, uh, I think. I think that's where we leave it. Honestly. Well, th- there was one more thing. Okay. That report. Yeah. Um, it wasn't released recently, was it? And that report was placed at the desk of the vi- the former environment minister of the late government mm. in late last year in 2021, mm. and only now since a change of government. Has it actually been released by now Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek? There's been a few occasions where things have been kept, e.g. the price of power, the baseload power Mm. for New South Wales, Queensland, South Oz going up 19% for Mm. New South Wales. This report was held off. Andrew Probin also had this to say on that same podcast. Given that climate change, environment and and so on have become such political um, hotspots and especially for the coalition. So I I imagine that's why it wasn't released. I also imagine it perhaps wasn't Susan Lee's decision to to keep it uh, secret until now. I think it would have been a decision that perhaps was made uh, above her because of the political sensitivity of, of it. Are we talking Uncle Scotty? Yeah, absolutely. Like the analysis <laughs> is there and the analysis is most likely correct. I don't know what objective evidence he has to actually back up that alleged statement. Mm. Like it's a bit of – look, I I agree it's most likely that someone from a higher office reached down. The only higher officer than than a minister at that stage is the prime minister. So Mm. (laughs) I think the uh, assumption's quite obvious there where he was meaning. But there's no evidence for him to actually say that. He uses the word I think. You know, I think that Andrew Prober needs to withdraw some of the comments that I objectively provided evidence for before. I think that it's uh, politically nice for Andrew Probin to absolve the now higher positioned uh, Susan Lee as deputy leader of the Liberal Party um, and deputy leader of the opposition uh, to be on the nice side and absolve her of her previous, um, you know, low quality job 
description <laughs> management of the environment. So it's a bit it's it's this it's this kind of re- political reporting and political analysis that really rubs me raw because I'm just it's 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 journalists uh, playing political games and not objectively providing accurate truth and analysis to us the people when it comes to us being able to make an objective analysis of how good are these individuals at their job mm. and managing the environment of which we pay them to do yeah and of which we we elect them to do and so it's quite irresponsible and I'm absolutely livid and it it burns and boils my blood every time I see a, a journalist trying to curry favor in this fashion we think no, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but um, to get response from the person of which he alleges those things about being kept secret, mm. um, it would have been that Scott Morrison would have to be back in the country, wouldn't it? Yeah, which, which, is, <laughs> yeah, which he's decided not to, which is another big issue. Like if, if it was your first day of work and oh, you've decided Jesus. not to tell anyone and you're just not going to rock up, but you're still going to claim the fees, you know, you're still going to claim your salary and you're not, you don't have a sick certificate, you don't have a good reason not yeah. to be there, you know. Um, the people of Cork, like seriously, you've, mm-hmm. you voted this man back in. They did, they chose to, to represent you. Uh, he may not be there for the entire term. A lot of people think oh, he, he, he might stick there, stick nah. around. It depends how long he wants to stick around for. Um but um, there'll be another election in the Cook probably before 2025, and uh, the people of Cook will have to have a good idea and a good think about who they would like to uh, represent them in the parliament because the their current um, member for Cook uh, has decided that that he doesn't feel the need to attend his yeah. and do his work duties. Oh, there will have to be a by election in Cook before 2025. There, like it is completely unusual for a politician, a prime minister, to be still on the backbench. Yeah. Or to recontest the election after they've lost it. Yeah, usually they'll they'll go quietly into the wind. I mean, we look back and see that Malcolm Turnbull lingered around like a bad smell for a little while, but he eventually departed. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Abbott got voted out. Yes, of he his got seat of Warringah. As, um, yeah. Um, there was John Howard lost his seat in the, the 2007 election yeah. in the Rudd slide. So the, often, yeah, the, the former prime minister will just kind of gently drift off. That's, I think, an understated um, outcome of 2019 that we all really do forget mm. the yeah. uh, the facet that Malcolm Turnbull had lost his seat, had yes. resigned after he was rolled by Morrison <laughs> and uh, Karen Phelps took over. Yeah. Dr. Karen Phelps took over Wentworth. Uh, and then Tony Abbott was still floating around and mm. people were like, oh, is Tony Abbott going to take a swing at Scott Morrison after this 2019 election or is he going to come back? And then the miracle election happened <laughs> where Scott Morrison threaded the needle, had 77 seats and managed to eke out a victory. And by doing so... Fantastically, at that stage, Tony Abbott lost his seat <laughs> to Zali Stegall of Warringah. So, a whole manner oh, of man. amazing political coincidences that cleared the air for Scott Morrison to have a clean pi- mm. prime ministership occurred. Yeah. And I think that really has to be appreciated as just the craziness of Australian politics sometimes. Yeah. yeah the, the, the last. Yeah, the last five years, if not the last decade, but definitely the last five years will be looked back upon... Interestingly. Yeah, like imagine, yeah, I can just imagine in, in, in 20 or 30 years' time, people are going to go, hey, remember, remember the 2019 and, and 2022 mm. elections? Yeah, crazy. And crazy then we're crazy. only going forward into more things. Like even though you were saying before we have uh, no elections after March next year. Yes. We're most likely going to have two referendums within the next couple of years. That's right, so, yes. So, you know, we've got the Uluru Statement of the Heart. Yep. Super segue. <laughs> and then potentially the uh, Australian Republic, depending on a second term of an Albanese government. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about both of Malcolm Turnbull and the Uluru Statement of the Heart because one of the first things that Anthony Albanese said when he uh, was doing his victory speech was this. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet 
I pay my respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. And on behalf of the Australian Labor Party, I commit to the Uluru Statement from the Heart in Paul. Now, this was huge for our Indigenous First Nations Australians because it was something that had been completely rejected by the previous government. So mm. back in, yeah, 2018, uh, Malcolm Turnbull had this to say when the uh, Uluru Statement w- uh, was, was given. It would be, in effect, a third chamber. Now, as to its prospects at a referendum, uh, let me tell you, uh, I honestly, uh, as someone who's had some experience in how easy it is to change the Australian Constitution, it would have no prospect of success whatsoever. Really deflating the whole progress that had been made from the Uluru Statement being handed down. Uh, Noel Pearson, well-known Indigenous man, had this to say on how the hearts of First Nations people were broken. With a whole lot of um, dog whistling about third chambers of parliament um, and so on. This is uh, really disappointing. There could have been a way to say no to this without all of the, the egregious dog whistling. Fast forward, though, to 2022, Anthony Albanese committing to the Uluru Statement in full. And as we record this podcast this weekend, he has announced the draft wording for the referendum. Here's what happens in Arnhem Land. We should consider asking our fellow Australians something as simple but something as clear as this. Do you support an alteration to the Constitution that establishes an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice? We are seeking to secure support for the question and the associated provisions in time for a successful referendum in this term of Parliament. So for my first time... I'll be voting in a referendum. I've never voted in one before, and many Australians haven't voted in one before. It's been 20 years yep. since the uh, Republic, Republic monarchy, uh, which was, <laughs> coincidentally, who fronted the, the yes vote for Australia leaving the monarchy. Malcolm Turnbull. <laughs> Good buddy, Malks. Um, but this is absolutely phenomenal in making steps towards uh, Indigenous rights, what they deserve, what, what, what needs to be done in this country. Um, it was put forward as a, an election promise and it looks to be following through with it. The first sitting of Parliament isn't even over mm. and um, we've already got draft wording uh, of the immediate legislation of, of the for, of, for the referendum of um, one of the most important promises that came out of the, uh, um, the Albanese government um, election policy bid. The next one is uh, the uh, 43% um, carbon reduction Mm. target. And then the last one's the federal ICAC. And so to those uh, who out there said that uh, the policy platform was light on, I say your analysis (laughs) was absolutely incorrect. Uh, And secondly, it's um, you change the government, you change the nation. Uh, I don't think anyone who lives in Australia can disagree that the nation has changed with a change of government and that it is changing for the better at the moment. Mm. And you can also say, looking back, is that everyone will know where they are or what the day felt like or those images surrounding these momentous steps forward in Indigenous, in, in First Nation Indigenous recognition. Yep. So we all remember looking and seeing a Kevin Rudd apologise mm. to the stolen generation. Some of us did, some of us weren't there. Yep, and uh, we can also talk about the... Um, the Marbo decision, mm, yes, going before Huge, then the High Court, yeah, and then and and there's so many more, mm. and this is going to be the statement of the heart. We will all remember those images that will be produced going forward when the discussion and referendum goes forward. The plebiscite on marriage equality <laughs> is up there as well, not in the similar vein because it was just a pleb- it was a plebiscite, but the ability for that to change people's lives forever and in a positive inclusive way 
is up there. You, you, I remember where I was standing. There are, there are times in our lives where we have important parts and important national or world events, and we remember where we were when we first heard or about them, or where we first, where we were when they occurred. And I, I go through my own life, and this, and and this will be one of them. And I'm excited to see how this goes forward. And I hope that we see a positive result here. Often, the in in the past, uh, the referendum would be put on the ballot. Mm. of a federal election. Yeah. It would be uh, easier, cheaper to do that. But this this was different because Anthony Albanese didn't have power at the time of, mm. of proposing this. So this time, uh, this will be a, a separate referendum. Yeah. 44 referendums have been held. Only eight yeah. have actually passed in a changing to the constitution. It's difficult to do it, and you're going to tell me exactly why <laughs> they've uh, why they mostly fail, and yeah. uh, what the rates are, and why the, what the rules around changing the constitution are. Um, for for a short time, referendums had 100% success rate. Ooh. <laughs> um, back in 1906, there was a referendum on Senate elections, mm. um, and that was basically changing the way that senators were elected. It was a vote of yes, 80. So referendums need a double majority. Yeah. What they, does a job What is a double majority, Louis? Firstly, you need the majority of the people in Australia to vote yes. So every single person votes yes or no on a proposal. Yeah. Uh, need to have a majority. So 50%, 50% plus, plus one. one. We're, we're aware of that. It then gets a little bit confusing when it becomes this double uh Majority. majority, because all of the states need to pass that. 50% plus one. Yes. So you can't have a single state that runs below 50%. Yeah. Um, so if they're majority say no, mm. or they can't reach a majority of the votes being 50%, yeah. then the motion, the referendum is defeated. So yeah. even if, let's say, for example, every single state except for Victoria for example, votes yes mm. and Victoria votes no mm. and the nation votes yes, then the motion is defeated yeah. because there's a single state that says uh, that says no. Yeah. Now, the likelihood of if every single state says yes and the nation say no is impossible by mm. mathematics. Yeah. So the only way that uh, this is... I'm sure... Uh, well, oh, I don't wait, p- no. I don't want to put a mathematical uh, certainty on no, this. No, because the populations, need- the populations of the states, mm-hmm. like it would only be if New South Wales was incredibly close yeah, and everywhere else was yes. Yeah. Uh, so, th- like, like, if New South Wales was literally 50% plus one mm. and everywhere was, like very close and the no vote was quite high, mm. then potentially the no in the New South Wales could overturn the the populace of everywhere else. Most recently, the yeah, the most recent re- um, referendum to pass was in 1977. Oh, no, you're talking about this. Um, the retirement of judges, which was a changing of uh, How judges. How judges retire. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that passed with an 80% total vote yeah. and all six states voted yes the most recent referendum to be held yeah 45% of people said yes no. yeah, yeah yeah so that was to to leave the yeah. republic uh, leave the that monarchy was australia wide so it yeah. failed instantly from that no state no state was uh, in um, majority either so it was a double yeah it was double a double note. negative yeah <laughs> double. i think what it was act and victoria said yes Queensland and New South Wales. No, said no, no, no states at all said yes. Oh, no states. No at all states had a oh, had a majority. Okay. Um, and the ACT and Northern Territory don't count in that first territory because they're territories. It's just a bizarre situation that we live in. I am hoping that we get to a point where the the phrase is decided on. Yep. You mean the language? The language, yeah. Because that's the, the question. The statement. The yes. question. The question says, "Do you agree to this this wording of the amendment?" And we yep. haven't seen the wording of the amendments, and I think that's what is still being negotiated. I think that's what Linda Burney's probably working on now, yep. in consultation with Indigenous elders, probably other political power brokers, and the Liberal Party, the Liberal National Party, and the coalition led by Peter Dutton, because they would want to keep them on their side and 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 get their support in the leg- in 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 their um, push for this to be a, a yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly um, 
Well, new new for a lot of people. However, a lot of us, a lot of Australians have have voted in that 1999 uh, referendum. Before that, 88, 84, 77. So around every 11 years. And then there hasn't been one since 1999. Mm. So, We've been too yeah. distracted with knocking off Prime Ministers, I honestly <laughs> believe. Uh, uh, we will now move on to the, uh, the announcement of the winner of this week's political <gasps> line. I can announce that Scott Morrison has won this week. Mm. That hasn't happened for a while. No, Scott hasn't. Morrison's got to win. He's, had, uh, he's copped a few L's. <laughs> it was out of his two phrases. And the people voted on Twitter. And the winner is Scott Morrison. This is my leader. <laughs> there you go. And I'm ambitious for you. We, we now move on to uh, congratulations, Scott. Well done. Congratulations, Scotty. Let us know when you're back in the country. We now move on to this week's uh, political line. And um, both of them are spurred by recent events. Here are the two lines. The first, Anthony Albanese in his victory speech. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet. I pay my respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. And on behalf of the Australian Labor Party, I commit to the Uluru Statement from the Heart in full. And the second, as per usual, we pit Albo against Albo. And it's a much more recent one. I thank very much uh, the Leader of the Opposition for the question. I congratulate him on his election as Leader of the Liberal Party. I wish him well as Leader of the Opposition. I hope he stays there for a very, very long time. That was in the very first question time and the very first question Mm. that was asked by Peter Dutton on Anthony Albanese. Have your votes, uh, jump on and uh, maybe you want to have a listen to them again. But um, question time... Hasn't it changed? It's changed quite a lot. Like, firstly, everyone's sitting in a different position. You've got a new speaker, Milton mm. Dick. Yep. Uh, thanks, Sam Maiden, for uh, responding to my tweet about that. <laughs> I had no idea who it would be. And Hey, if she's responding to you, can you get her to unblock me? Uh, yeah, I can try. I don't know why I'm blocked oh, by okay. Samantha Maiden. I've never spoken to her on Twitter. I've never mm. spoken about her on Twitter. Mm. I've, I've searched. Mm. Um, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for Samantha Maiden. Maybe it's a mistake. Yeah, and that's why I'm asking if... Yeah. Or, yeah, or anyone out there, um, it's been a week of asking for people to unblock me. Um, I asked Matthew Guy to unblock me. Yeah. Um, no response yet. No response. Samantha Maiden, please unblock me. That'd be nice. We have her on the pod. She's probably got two more important things to do, honestly. She could be on Insiders or yeah. the party room. Yes. Um, but, yes, uh, she did respond to you and, and revealed. Yeah. Milton Dick. I don't yes. know if it had been actually leaked before then, but, like, I couldn't – like, maybe I did do a bit of breaking uh, – hashtag breaking. Uh-huh. I don't know. Hashtag maybe. breaking news. I don't know. Hashtag uh, Ospol. One of the really th- great things about listening about these lines um, – Louis is uh, listening to the background noise. Once you hear the line multiple times <laughs> and you know the intonation and you know what's going to say. Yeah. And my favourite part about the election speech is the woman who goes, woo, <laughs> about just after he does his like little acknowledgement of the country. Mm. Um, and I just love those little bits. And like, I assume that individuals in the future will go back and go, I was the person that did that. Woo, I was there. Let's have a listen again. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet. I pay yeah, that, 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 Ow! That, that. <laughs> I just think that those little bits are just so Australian. Yeah. Well, and I love I, it. I can officially, unofficially confirm that the person... On his election as leader... Who coughed there was Tony Burke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you got, you're watching that live. Um, I don't know. I just picked Tony <laughs> Burke. <laughs> um, <laughs> but question time has changed. Milton Dick, he's he really n- the first person to be kicked out Labor. under 94A. Labor yeah, person. Labor person. Yeah. Um, he's not taking much crap. And he is a stickler for relevance mm. and making sure that if there is a point of order, yeah. A, that it is only one Point of order on relevance yeah. per question. And mm-hmm. two is actually relevant. Yeah. Because Peter Dutton, uh, I can't find the audio of it actually happening, but there was a time where he had a point of order on relevance eight seconds into someone responding to mm-hmm. a question. And he said, they've had eight seconds yeah. to respond. Just 
chill. Just, just chill. Take a chill pill. Yeah. Mm. Um, it'll so be interesting to see how it goes forward. It'll also be interesting to see what the um, coalition line of attack is. Mm. Well, th- this is something that I put up on Twitter. Was they've they've used the line? Why are they making a bad situation worse? That's a, a lot of their questions are ending with why is Labor making a bad situation worse? Yeah, is that them admitting that after the last situation. nine years? Australia is in a bad situation think, when it I comes to. I think that's to the premise that they're they're sitting on at the moment. Like I, so I, politics is that them accepting that they've stuffed mm, up for the past. Maybe, yeah. The premise is there. I, I'm I'm going to quote someone about a game of chess and uh, politics is a game that uh, a lot of people like to play, but they don't know how to play it. And uh, I think there's sometimes elements of that at uh, all levels of politics. And uh, I think on that. Idea. Uh, we should close up the show. We're almost getting towards an hour at <laughs> an this day. We can't have over an hour. Make sure you do vote on those political lines. Please do. Oh, um, we need to announce who our guest is. Yeah, so uh, obviously a very important period for our I- Indigenous people, a very important time for Anthony Albanese to pass this... Uh, or to get the ball rolling to get the on, ball the, roll, yeah. on this. This is going to be with us for the next six to eight months, mm. boys and girls. So educate yourself. Go learn about what truth, treaty, respect is, what the Uluru Statement is, mm. why it was created, how it was created, what it affects, how it affects you, how it affects the Constitution, yep. what a referendum is all about, because you need to educate yourself because the most important part of a, demo, of a democracy is understanding how powerful your vote is yes. and how to use your voice a vote in the best possible way and i'm going to give you louis the privilege to announce who our guest interviewee will be this friday it is i'm looking forward to the state member for geelong chris cousins to join us and talk not only her her time but um the the insights that she has mm. and the the connection that she has to indigenous people in not only our region but Australia and how that affects uh, us going forward so uh, a really must listen to podcast next week when we have a chat with yeah, highly Chris relevant really lucky to have her timing mm. to give up her time on to record at the podcast and mm. to provide her views not only on the upcoming election uh, in 2022 at the state federal at the state level, but also on uh, the Indigenous referendum and the Uluru Statement of the Heart, as you said. On that note, thank you so much for joining us on this journey this week, episode number eight, wrapping up. If you have anyone that you suggest that we chat to. Mm. Hit them up. Get them to get in yeah. contact with us. Don't just say, oh, you should interview yeah. Anthony Albanese. That's great. That's great. We'll try. I've tried. I've but written maybe, to him a lot of times. <laughs> maybe you might have a connection with Anthony Albanese. Maybe your cousin shines the shoes of the staffer who answers the phones that can pass on a message yep. to the leader of our great country. Thanks for your company. Thank you, Dr. Dan, Thank for you. Uh, coming Louis in and, and having a chat. We will do it all again next week with Chris Cousins. Make sure you join us on Twitter. All of the links and relevant notes in today's show notes. Catch you next week. Goodbye, Louis. Oh, do you have anyone you need to shout no, out? No, I'm not going to shout out anyone this week. No one? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I can shout out my mum again if you yeah. want. No, Until she shouts back. <laughs> no, nah, she's not going to come back on the podcast. Okay. I'll shout out you, Louis. Oh, thank you, Dr. Dan. For being such a great co-host. Thank you, Dr. Dan. I shout out you oh. for your terrific work. Oh, thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. You too. Goodbye. Goodbye.